Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 29, LLF Winners, is the fourth of our episodes on sexuality in the Church of England. Last week I spoke to the losers, today I'm going to address the winners. Congratulations, the Church of England is yours. You have inherited this broke, shrinking, hurting organisation, whether you wanted to or not. You're a bit like the tourist in an Istanbul bazaar who knocks over a colourful ceramic vase to be congratulated as the new owner. I don't think you've really broken anything. But for a long time, the losers are going to complain that you broke the church. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the historic reaccommodation with lesbian, gay and bisexual people that I predict is coming round the corner. The end of stigma and the celebration of your relationships in church. I'm not being sarcastic. I really do congratulate you. I'm pleased for you. I think you're winning because you deserve to win because you show more human realism and divine grace than your opponents, whose arguments are weak and deserve to lose. When I say you, I'm not assuming your sexuality. A lot of your supporters are straight. A wide range of people recognise that your time has come and the land is yours. Yes, the General Synod will change the rules in your favour. But let's pause for a moment to just ponder what difference that's going to make. I've got no stats to offer you, but I'm pretty sure that gay people are numerically overrepresented in church at every level compared with the general population. Gay people are overrepresented in openly supportive denominations like the American Episcopal Church, just as they are in openly frosty, officially prohibitive churches like the Roman Catholic Church. I question whether we will see any significant shift in the proportion of sexual orientation in church membership. In the Church of England, remember, the prohibition against gay sexual relationships has only really been applied to clergy in recent years and the application has been pretty light touch for quite a while. Where the odd bishop, and I choose my adjective carefully there, has made an issue, that has created quite a media stink. But most church leaders are really not interested in trying to police prohibition. This year's Lambeth Conference relegated the issue of homosexuality to one where different provinces can do their own thing and live in communion. So we've already seen a bit of mature tolerance breaking out in the global Anglican communion. And when the change comes in, the rules will reflect a change of mind amongst a large group of people. It will reflect a new majority if you like, a new norm. But there will still be a fair few naysayers around for quite a while yet. So we're not witnessing the revolution 
of an organisation that harasses gay people to the religious wing of the pride movement. It's a subtler change of degree. The key change is in the heads and hearts of ordinary Anglicans. Overall, they've changed their mind, but there will still be people around with reservations for quite a while yet. So, as somebody who supports this change, let me tell you my best hope for what it might mean and might do in church life. The stigma will melt away. No one will feel their sexual orientation lacks legitimacy. Gay, lesbian and bisexual people will no longer feel the pressure to justify themselves in church. They will feel equal and fully respected. They will feel normal. And the rest of us will catch up with making sure this happens. Young gay people growing up in or around church won't worry they've let God down. They will feel confident that they are loved and accepted by God and by his church. Same-sex relationships will come out into the open light. For a long time we've driven same-sex relationships underground into the darkness. And I hope this coming out could be a really good thing for all of us. It will be good to have everything out in the open. I would love to see young people losing one of their best excuses for avoiding church. As a generation, the young really own this issue and often cite homophobia as institutional offence number one. If we can make this reform successfully, then it will have quite an impact on young people who will find church considerably less embarrassing. So those are my hopes. What about my fears? This is a big change and I can't see the future, so I don't know how it's going to play out. I support the change, but this is what I'm nervous about. I fear we could be in for a season of heterosexual marriage bashing. Marriage is the most important institution in church and society for me. Most marriages are heterosexual. Marriage is in numerical decline and I can't help feeling it's taken for granted in the church. I feel we're losing our way over marriage. I don't blame gay people for wanting equality. I'm nervous about the future of marriage and I don't see the debate about same-sex marriage contributing very much that's helpful so far. I may be wrong about this, but I have to tell you, I am nervous. Secondly, I'm worried about a witch hunt against conservative Christians. Some conservative people are literally scared stiff of gay people, but generally the word homophobia is over the top. Thirdly, I'm concerned that church coming to terms with homosexuality will not really lead to a stable settlement in church life, but will open up a can of worms leading to a long series of culture wars about identity and relationships. I suspect the trans debate is going to be much harder than this one. I fear church life is going to be dominated by arguments about sex for at least another generation. Those are my honest fears, though I'd be more anxious about the future if the reform fails. 
Yes, you are the winners, and I think you deserve it. So I'd like to finish with three pleas of my own to the winners. Number one, smile, relax a bit, look like you're the winners. You have won most of the church over. That's a huge achievement. So can you please stop talking like victims? I'm not asking for a triumphalist tone. And yes, of course, some people are badly treated. But you really are winning. So it would be nice to see a little bit of joy. For centuries, gay people have had to hide their sexuality in church life. Aren't you just a little bit glad to be the first generation of Anglican Christians out and proud in the Church of England. Isn't it a great time for gay Christians to be alive in this country? When I go to my local war memorial on Remembrance Sunday, I always thank God that unlike millions of my ancestors, I've never been conscripted into a war. I've never lived in a country invaded by a foreign army. I've lived in peacetime and prosperity. I feel lucky to have been born in 1963. If I were a gay man, better to be born in 1963 than 1863, and better to be born in 2003 than 1963, and probably better still to be born in 2023. So please can you smile a bit more. Be generous to the losers. They've got to come to terms with this, but give them time and space, and I predict most of them will. There's huge momentum in the church now, as there was in society a few years ago, for people changing their mind in favour of gay people. You've already won a majority. I predict within a few years you'll win a vast majority in all mainstream churches in this country. Watch your language about the people who've lost here. Rather than homophobes or bigots, call them slow learners and old-fashioned. I can't help thinking about the change of rules in the Labour Party in 1995 when Tony Blair led this historic party proud of its tradition to drop the Clause for Commitment to nationalising all commerce and industry. It was an important reform that helped that party gain office in 1997, but it was a hurtful betrayal to many old diehards. The losing side did not disappear, and the party had to learn to live with them as an enduring minority. Now Blair got his reform through, but he did not hound out the old guard. Like Tony Blair in the Labour Party, you are making quite a big change to church life. Be kind to the losers. My third and final appeal to the winners is don't turn on your own. One of the hardest groups of people for you to deal with are those Christians who are same-sex attracted but feel called to abstain. They sit in a slightly awkward position in relation to your campaign. 
Some of you see them as a sort of fifth column undermining the clarity of your message. You may feel tempted to punish them, like collaborators with the Germans in wartime France who were ostracised after the Second World War. Well, I think there are quite a lot of these people who would not thank us for calling them gay, but know that they're same-sex attracted. I don't know whether I agree with these people, but I certainly respect them, and I suspect they've contributed more to the success of your campaign than you realise. At the end of the day, learning to accept gay people is not about intellectual arguments. It's about learning to accept real people who are different from you. And those people have done a lot to show the wider church that gay people are decent, real, normal Christians. By all means, debate with them. But what I'm saying is be nice to them. So, my friends, you are winning, winning, and soon you will have won. You are the most talented and powerful group in the church. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to episode 29. That was the fourth and final episode on sexuality in the Church of England. Phew. Next week, we're going to turn our attention to Jesus with the help of Bob Dylan.